You're listening to Rounding at Rush, a Rush University Medical Center podcast that features the latest clinical advances, research, and innovations. I'm your host, Dan Dean. Dr. Hong Wu and Dr. Ricardo Fontes join the podcast today to talk about the Rush Spine Center. Clinicians in the Rush Spine Center take an integrated, multidisciplinary approach in the assessment and management of spine problems and offer patients an array of both surgical and non-surgical treatment options. Hong Wu is a physiatrist and the director of the Rush Spine Center. Ricardo Fontes is a neurosurgeon and the director of the Neurosurgery Residency Program. Welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Yep, for having us here today. It's a pleasure. Yeah, we're happy to be here. A hallmark of the Rush Spine Center is its multidisciplinary approach in patient care. And we all know what the term multidisciplinary means. It gets talked about a lot, but I'm thinking about the implementation of that approach. How does this improve patient outcomes? And maybe more specifically, what does this look like in action at the Rush Spine Center? Okay, I think I will start first. Okay. And uh, as you know, many studies indicate that multidisciplinary spine care model has shown promising results in decreasing patient waiting times, reducing patient pain symptoms, and improving their functional outcomes, as well as reducing healthcare resource utilization. Rush spine care draws discipline together for benefits of our patient. The care we provide here are unique in several ways. Number one, we provide the most comprehensive and integrated cares. In Rush Spine Center, we have a multi-specialty-based care team and formed by both non-surgical and the surgical specialists, such as physical medicine, the rehabilitation providers, neurosurgeons, neurologists, MPs, and the PAs and the nurses, and we offer the most comprehensive and coordinated spine care to help our patients. By working together as a team, we can discuss challenging cases and get a consensus on the treatment approach for some of the most complicated cases, for example. The second one is we offer the most appropriate cares. And we have a very effective triage system to help direct the patients to the appropriate care providers as they need it based on their individual spinal disorders. Data has shown that about 30% are misreferred to spine surgeon. And this patient either has no surgical indications or have no, have not optimized their conservatives or have no imaging or testes completed. And these patients end up being redirected to another providers. All this have led to patient dissatisfaction, redundancy of services, and the increased load of non-surgical patients to surgeons. So by direct and connect this patient with the spine providers they needed, have shortened the waiting time and improved the access of care, and then you know, and then eventually their outcome. And our system can also provide a continued care by tra transition patient quickly to their next step of care. For example, if a patient has exhausted all conservatives, they can be offered 
next to see our scaled intervention or spine providers for spinal injections, such as epidural injections for the sciatica symptoms, facets or sacroiliac joint injections for the degenerative joint injections and arthritis and etc. If a surgery is indeed indicated, and then this patient will be reconnected to our world-known neurosurgeons and quickly and uh, through our internal communication. And number three, our care provided is most effective. And all treatment formulated for our patient are based on the best available evidence. Our treatment are safe and patient-centered and integrated. We're making sure patients are part of the plan making, often providing patients and their families educations on their spinal disorders. We often start with the most conservative treatment for patients and for those without immediate or urgent surgical needs. And this is like a climate ladder. So our treatment approach is a step by step. And we have a patient to try oral medications and the physical therapies first for symptoms control and the functional improvement. If those fail, and we would consider spinal injections for symptoms control and facilitate the therapy. And if all of this, you know, do not work for patient, and that is if there's a surgical options, we then send a patient to our surgeons. All in all, the RASH Spine Center model enhances the delivery of a high-quality and cost-effective spine care for our patient by providing the specialized and the comprehensive multidisciplinary care. Yeah, uh, I, I completely agree with what uh, with what Dr. Wu has has posted. I, I for for myself as a surgeon, I really appreciate another set of eyes from other. Other professional who has a different background, a different uh, approach, and I think the the success of the multidisciplinary approach is just uh, the recognition that nobody has a set recipe for every patient. Right, surgery is not the solution for all patients or even most patients. Um, mo and the recognition that when we're talking about degenerative spine conditions, these are conditions that changes the patient and ages and the patient changes their demands they they change what they do they change their biology so for some patients they may do very well with non-operative management for a while they made that change they may need small surgery large surgery and if all you know how to do is one thing be it all I want to do all I can do is an injection you're going to treat every, everybody with an injection if you have if you can only do minimally invasive surgery, same thing. Or if all I do, I know is how to do long fusions, it's the same thing. So I think the multidisciplinary model is able to be very versatile and uh, re, you know, offer a gamut of options to, to our patients. And uh, I really appreciate to be part of it. So my next question I'll ask you, Dr. Fontes, is about how the majority of spinal problems don't necessarily involve a surgical intervention, which is your specialty. So I'm wondering, does this apply only to certain types of spine cases where you may not require surgical intervention, or do you think it reflects an overall trend for more non-surgical approaches? But the majority, by far 90% of patients who we treat, they have spinal problems because of aging. And 
where does pathologic aging versus normal aging begin? That's that's very difficult to determine. In most patients, they can be either effectively treated, even sometimes very very permanent, relatively permanently, or at least their symptoms temporize for a long time with the assistance of our non-operative partners. And so I think that's that's really important. While you're you're I, I can do my job, investigate the disease, understand the biomechanics, understand how uh, how everything lines up and uh, what's happening with this patient's uh, spine, that our other providers can look at how the muscles that support that spine work, you know, how are the ligaments uh, inflamed or not, what can they do to effectively help the patient uh, while we're we're determining exactly what's the the necessary intervention, if an intervention is needed at all. Yeah, I completely agree with uh, what Dr. Um, Fantas said. You know, um, for certain spine conditions, you know, surgery is indeed needed. Okay, for patients with those conditions like tumors or fractures, instabilities of spine, and surgeries are unnecessary. You know, to fix their problems, and. Uh, but the majority of the patient, you know, with the age-related degenerative back pain or and the mechanical pain, they do not need a surgery and they can be successfully managed, you know, by the conservative treatment. You know, it's so-called oral medications and physical therapies, injections, and then et cetera. And according to a study published in the journal Spine in 2015, the overall rate of a lumbar spine surgery among Medicare beneficiaries in the United States is only about close to 4% per year. And then, so let's say we we can maximize, you know, the uh, non-surgical approaches, you know, for, for this patient, you know, and uh, the patient come to us, you know, we provided, you know, the well-structured expertise-guided physical therapies, you know, to help recondition their spine and related to their spinal disorders and make sure their core muscle is strong and to provide to give the better support of the spine and then make sure their uh, muscle spasms and uh, related to pain and uh, we addressed with uh, some good and evidence-based you know the uh, flexibility exercises and also we instruct the patient to continue home based exercises, you know, to uh, continue to recondition their spine once they're graduated from the physical therapy program. And there's lots of research showing that getting at least 30 minutes of moderate exercises three to four times a week is an excellent way to prevent and then reduce um, back pain. And uh, many medications has also been proven to uh, help patients to address their pain, including and uh, the commonly used anti-inflammatory medications, muscle relaxants, especially in the and acute phase of the uh, spine pain and or the flare-ups of pains. Okay, and it's also important to differentiate the pain and uh, come you know based on the good diagnosis and. It is uh, actual low back pain, mechanical pain, uh, versus this is a uh, neuropathic pain because treatment is completely different. You know, based on the type of pain, we give different medications. Okay, it's important for those with nerve impingement or nerve-related pain, and we give you know the neuromodulators. You know, this you know is the medication the patient needed. You know, for their pain control. Yeah, and then it's also to. Good to know that for patients that fail the medications, we can also offer the 
injections in our um, center, yeah. So we provide a lots of injections, you know, and some injections, they're ultrasound guided, you know, you know office-based injections, you know, to help address the surrounding structures in the spine, which also contributing to the pain, and this is very important. And also we provide, the, you know, uh, spinal injections under the fluoroscopy guidance and the, in, such as, you know, the epidural injections, another joint injections, middle branch nerve blocks, and the RFAs. And uh, in addition, and we also helped address, you know, the, the another uh, pain conditions, okay, surrounded our spine, okay? Because often on patient with, you know, the a back pain, they also have a hip pain. And sometimes it's confusion, you know, this hip pain is coming from back or from, you know, the, the hip. And so, uh, we sometimes do the differential di the diagnostic injections to help differentiate this this pain, and uh, the very uh, common one, for example, there's uh, uh, some degenerative spine uh, diseases called the uh, lumbar facets. Okay, it's a type of a small joint arthritis and uh, degenerative in nature, and just like any other arthritis in our spine, like you know hip or joint, they can develop pain as well. And so a lot of our patients, you know, with uh, uh, mechanical pains, you know, they have these conditions. Okay, for example, for this, we can do the diagnostic injections to identify the source of a pain. And once that confirmed, we can provide, you know, the uh, ablation procedures, you know, that can provide much longer relief of a pain. So this is, you know, so many ways we have, you know, to help patients, you know, to uh, address, you know, their uh, spine disorders manage their symptoms by the non-surgical approaches. I'm wondering if either of you see cases coming into Rush where another provider recommended spinal surgery, and in fact, a non-surgical approach may be a more appropriate option. And so, Dr. Wu, I'm wondering if you could maybe elaborate and provide maybe a couple of examples or types of conditions where there were certain interventions that Rush was able to offer that were uh, an effective treatment option for some of these types of cases. Sure. And uh, I use example I see today. Okay, there's a patient that come here to see us with, you know, the uh, axial low back pain. And then he do have a condition of uh, spondylolisthesis, you know, which, you know, is a, a type of like a, a disc slip, slippage, you know, uh, one on top of another. So normally based on the, uh, we based on the degrees of this slippage, you know, we recommend either conservative or surgery. And for this patient to come here and then said for the second opinion, said the patient was recommended for spinal fusion. So when the imaging was reviewed and the patient only have a grade one and the spine, uh, uh, spinal uh, spondylolisthesis, and which can be managed, you know, with you know the uh, conservative treatment. So based on the review and patient symptoms, and we recommended, you know, patient to try in a conservative first, and then to um, start with, you know, exercise program, use medication to manage pain, and we'll continue to monitor their uh, back imagings, and then probably like periodically, like once a year. So if that has advanced, okay, to more in a severe a slippage, maybe more than grade two or three, and I would send it to Dr. Fontes away. Yeah, I think that's so important, uh, what Dr. Wu said the, uh, then, because what, what happens 
that we see these these patients and they're frequently coming in for second opinions or third opinions and they have they have structural changes right they may have a slippage in their vertebrae or they may have a curve and they're symptomatic and they will ask well did the curve happen now i just started having pain a couple months ago or did the slippage happen two months ago or did the disc happen you know four months ago and the answer is no these things were there before they take years to develop uh, any individual over the age of 35 will start having worn out discs to some degree nobody has a pristine spine on the age of 35 and they were working fine and so that's what i tell patients they say you know, it was working fine until the other day. You don't want to jump into surgery, okay? Because there's no end to it. I mean, you, um, it's like getting plastic surgery for every gray hair and wrinkle. If there is an injection, if there is a medication and that, that is beneficial and can keep surgery at bay, even if it has to be repeated, well, I'm signing up for the injection. I'm not signing up for surgery myself. That's insane. And so I recommend that everybody at least try that. And, and yeah, it may, may be 10% or 15% of cases or after five years or seven years, patients may need a structural fix. Even if it just delays the surgery, frequently has a lot of advantages because surgery has become safer and it can be done in, at, at more advanced stages. And frequently these surgeries will set upon a, a sequence of events in your spine that will beget more surgery. So if you get the later surgery and remain active from 65 to 75, you know, not only that clock will be delayed, but also your goals at 65 or 75, they're different, right? So at 65, you may want to play golf. You may want to, uh, you know, play paddle or play something else. Uh, at 75, you may be more interested in riding a bike, riding a stationary bike, you may have given up some of these other activities. Just having flexibility during that time frame just just is a big deal for a lot of folks. So I completely agree with with Dr. Wu in that uh, most patients they they would do very very well with non-operative managed for a number of years. And I'm wondering for cases that get referred to you. Is there something that you wish referring providers would know before sending patients about some of the things that you talked about with these non-surgical conservative approaches before they get to surgery? Like, I'm wondering if you're seeing patients referred for surgery when in fact they're not. Like, is there any sort of education or conversation that you wish you could have with some referring providers? From the surgical perspective, I mean, it's it's looking at the patient in a holistic way, right? I, I don't want to a primary care doc to be a spine surgeon. But I mean, there's some things that are just uh, overall um, good medicine, right? And so you have a patient with low back pain and you're referring the patient to, uh, uh, to a provider. You know, has anybody talked about the weight, right? I mean, uh, you don't wanna have surgery if you're tremendously overweight. It's worse for your recovery. The risk of nerve damage during surgery is higher. And frequently we'll see patients that they say, well, this is the first time somebody approached my weight from a, a scientific, rational, respectful manner, right? And so that needs to be tackled. I say, listen, you're, you're you know, this amount of pounds above your ideal weight. Uh, this is putting more stress on your spine. What's being done? What's the plan? Have your hormones been checked? Has anybody ever discussed bariatric surgery? The pros, the cons, you know, nobody ever 
got hurt or had a complication from talking to a bariatric surgeon, for example, right? I mean, uh, there's no harm in talking to a surgeon. Second thing is the bone health. Bone health is so important, physical activity. You know, you have patients, oh, you know, I'm 55, I don't need a bone density scan. Well, but you had a hysterectomy at 37. You know, that's such a high risk factor. Or I've been taking medication for depression for 20 years. That's another risk factor for osteoporosis. So I say, if you, if you can take care of bone health, uh, physical activity, and uh, weight, that's a way of keeping me away from your care. And, uh, and I love it. I hope you, you know, anyway, I hope nobody ever needs my surgical skills. And uh, I think that's one thing that referring providers can definitely do. Dr. Wu, anything you'd add to that? Yes, you know, I appreciate Dr. Fantas and uh, told us, you know, from the surgeon's, you know, perspective, what, you know, he expects. And uh, so as a uh, spine um, injection, okay, provider, okay, and then, so I'm a trained, you know, the, to provide the spine pro, uh, injections. So from my perspective, and I wish one patient to come to me for the injections, and at least they have some workups done, okay, for example, and have they tried the physical therapy? and tried any medications, okay, to maximize, you know, the conservative care before we're going to the next step. So I was hoping for patient, you know, at least they have a physical therapy or have some basic images, so as the start point. And in our spine care, uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, many non-interventional providers, you know, as our uh, nurse practitioners, or, Physical um, uh, physician provide a uh, physician assistant, and also the non-interventional spine providers. They usually will see patient, okay, and then get the patient started and exhausted all the conservatives, you know, before they they come to us. So I just want the um, our referral physician knows that we do have, you know, the the providers they do, you know, this type of workups, okay, and so they can see this patient and they get this patient either for the interventional providers and the next step to and the surgeons like Dr. Fontes if they need a surgery. I was curious if you could expand on the ways that you incorporate non-surgical approaches to support the outcome of spinal procedures and recoveries should a patient need to get spinal surgery. Many uh, spine conditions, you know, do not, you know, need a uh, surgery. I use the example of uh, uh, sciatica or lumbar radiculopathy, okay? And this is a very common spine disorders, okay? And caused by the disc bulging herniation, which res resulted in pain and, uh, and, and the nerve impingement. So often patients will have uh, low back pain and the leg pain. And, uh, but for majority of this patient, okay, the natural course of the uh, disc herniation and the sciatica is often, and, resolve by itself, okay, majority of the patient do not need a surgery. So there's data showing that 80% of this patient resolve in the next couple of months, you know, at least with six months. So for this patient, when they come to us, and so, you know, we, you know, as a, like non-surgical spine providers, we will evaluate patient first, okay, come up with a diagnosis or differential diagnosis, and then make sure there's no red flags. For example, malignancies, or uh, fractures or 
uh, infections or called the equina symptom. And uh, we will discuss the treatment plans, you know, with our patient. And it's very important to include the patient education. And we will explain to them what the causes of their symptoms, you know, reassure the patient that their symptoms usually diminish over time. And even without, you know, any interventions. And uh, we will provide the patient with, you know, the in, in the comprehensive but individualized care. And with, you know, the medications, you know, we set. Uh, and then we normally will start encourage patient with, you know, the active, you know, treatment rather than like a passive, for example, bed rest. We do not recommend a bed rest for too long. And we will give a patient a try. And uh, when patient, you know, tried all this, you know, conservatives, medications or physical therapy, their symptoms still there. And uh, for example, like six to eight weeks, like a Bartonite, so, you know, we will consider doing some imaging and just make sure we're not missing anything. For example, you cannot assume that disc, like a radiculopathy is always caused by the disc herniation. Oftentimes, you know, you scan patient's spine, you find, you know, tumors and like a metastatic spine disease or like an abscess there. And so it is important to know what we're dealing with, what causes radiculopathy before we're going to the next step as a injection, you know, uh, providers. Okay. So you want to make sure you know where you're going, where your need is going, what are you poking? So it is important and you to, to have some images before we, we do we do that. Only small, okay, a percent of uh, a patient, okay, they end up with uh, surgery. So if there's a big herniation caused some progressive weakness and or acute bowel bladder changes reflecting, you know, the cauda equina and or pain do not respond to what do we do, like intractable pain and with severely affected functions and they will see our surgeons, you know, for the next step. So speaking of surgery, um, Dr. Fontes, I want to ask you about one of your specialties, which is adult uh, spinal deformity surgery. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the Globus robot and how its use can reduce some of the side effects patients experience. I'm thinking, you know, for example, recovery time and how it can improve your approach during surgery. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating uh, area of um, of spine surgery, right? It's this uh, so adult deformity surgery is a relatively new subspecialty of spine surgery that uh, basically depended on two things to develop. First, the uh, ability to correct these curves. So we needed implants and we needed techniques that would allow us to correct the shape of the spine and assign a new shape to the spine. And two, the evidence that correcting that spine and understanding how the spinal biomechanics uh, interact with uh, the muscles and the nerves to show that, hey, this is effective. This works really, really well. And so the introduction of those two factors really changed the shape of, of spine surgery for us. Now, these surgeries tend to be bigger and when they much bigger and when they they first came out about 15 years ago, everybody was struggling because the complication rates were, were very high. And so we we evolved into trying to make the surgery smaller. We started using minimally invasive techniques that we can that we can apply to our patients. We can put, we can perform the surgery now from the front of the spine, the side of the spine, the back of the spine, try to make it safer depending on the case. We created specialized protocols. So we work with our anesthesia colleagues 
our pain colleagues, our ICU colleagues to make surgery safer. We use special techniques for pain control. So we're very proud to be part of a group developing uh, a new type of block for, sp for spinal deformity surgery. So we use um, catheters that infuse medication directly underneath the muscle. So it provides analgesia, provides pain relief without the side effects of an epidural, without uh, masking the neurological exam. And we've, we've been fortunate to incorporate technology. And uh, the Globus robot is such an example. The Globus robot will help at, the, at its current stage, it, uh, it will help place the implants that uh, make deformity surgery possible. It's not the only way, it's not the, by far, it's not the only way to place these implants, but I compare it to having uh, instruments to fly your plane, right? So it's like an instrument landing system. It's not gonna land the plane by itself, right? And if you probably don't know how to fly the plane, it's not gonna be much help either. But it can make a good pilot even better. So it's the same thing with deformity. Uh, the position of the, the screws is very awkward in deformity. The shape of the spine has changed. So it's very challenging. And a good surgeon can do it safely. The robot will make it even safer, will make it faster, will make it more accurate. And in doing so, it'll make it safer for these folks and reduce the, the main risk of, um, of misplacing these screws, which is uh, injuring the structures next to it, which are the nerves. So we're very, we're very proud to be pioneering a lot of protocols utilizing the Globus robot. Um, it's something that uh, is part of our everyday surgeries here. And the second thing that the robot uh, affords us is its potential, right? I mean, you, you, you can be the best surgeon in the world, but uh, robots will be part of our surgery uh, sooner or later. Right, and it's already it's already the, the the present here at Rush, Dr. Fontes. I also want to ask you about revision surgery. Are there any typical types of back surgeries or conditions that lend themselves to failure? And then, part two of my question is wondering if you could talk about certain technologies or approaches that you implement when doing revision surgery. Of course, this is this is another exciting area of spine surgery, right? So we. We've all, we all know patients, family, friends uh, who, who've had back surgery and it didn't work. And uh, in this day and age, most surgery is done more or less appropriately. But we, when we applied, when we started fusing patients in the past, we didn't know those deformity concepts that are just touch base. They're, you see, the fusion is older than the deformity concepts. Deformity concepts came later. And so when we started looking back and seeing those patients who had surgery and were miserable, we understood a big part of it is that they were just fused in the wrong position, right? So especially those folks who are leaning forward, a condition that we call kyphosis, that is a miserable situation. And we're able to very, very effectively uh, address that by just changing the shape. And it's one of those few situations in spine surgery. You know, when I, when I talk to people, I say, you know, your fusion is going to take a long time. Even college athletes take a year to recover. Deformity surgery is very rewarding because these are these massive surgeries. But the moment the patient stands up, there can be pain from surgery. They're sore. They're uncomfortable. But they know the position changed and the original symptoms are gone. So it, it's very exciting. Uh, kyphosis 
is the situation that probably lends itself best. And what I tell uh, primary care providers or pain docs when I when I talk to them is everybody with a failed fusion should be seen by a deformity surgeon. Somebody who's not going to get uh, upset at the patient having had multiple surgeries in the past or who's not going to get upset that everything is failing or uh, implants are loose or somehow these tend to be nasty pictures that sometimes elicit uh, emotional responses from the surgeons. So that that doesn't work. I mean, these 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 folks need to be seen by revision surgeons, surgeons who are used to doing these cases again and redoing other people's work because they're very challenging. But um, a fresh set of eyes can can be very very effective. Well. Dr. Wu and Dr. Fontes, um, appreciate your time today and thank you very much for joining the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much.